0: God's grace in my life has changed me I was 25 and I um, was just not living the lifestyle where I thought I should be Um, I was living um, I was kind of watching my life go by and not really living and um, I got to a point where um, I wanted to change But because of the struggles that I was dealing with, I didn't know how to change. I didn't know how to, um, I didn't know how to get out um, from that lifestyle that I was living. And, um, you know, the last time that I was really happy was when I was going to church. And um, when um, I was living for Christ, and even though I didn't understand everything, um, what I didn't understand was that God loved me. And, um, and so I remember praying one night and asking Him just, um, basically just back into my heart. And um, I wanted to live for Him because I was done doing things my way, because my way was not working. <laughs> I've had um, some friends who have been in that same sort of party lifestyle, um, not living for Christ, who have, you know, went to churches when they were younger, um, have told me um, that, you know, I gave them hope um, because they have seen me come out of that lifestyle and they have seen me. Um, grow, and um, they didn't realize, or they didn't know how to. And so seeing somebody come out of that uh, has has helped them. And just what I've been able to do, not just for people, because I don't feel like I really do anything. Um, I really believe that it's God working through me. Um, I've been able to counsel um, other women. Through here at the church and also um, at a rehab facility, God never wastes a hurt. He will use. He will use your story, and He will use the things that have um, your hurts, and He will use just everything about your life to help somebody else if you'll allow it. If you allow Him to, and that I think just in itself is. Um, is inspirational
1: watch that uh, three times now just never gets old you know watching God change a life And this church is filled with stories of how God has invaded your souls and changed your life. And all throughout this series, you're gonna hear the stories of folks just like Raquel, who, who man, God has done an incredible thing, and, and then not only did an incredible thing in, in, in her life, but then, then God is now using her, just like God is using lots of, lots of you. And uh, anyway, I want to welcome those of you over in the, the venue. I'm glad you're here, man. There's just a great crowd over there. And I'm grateful for Jared and, and Stephen and you guys leading worship over there and Pastor Jeff for being the pastor of our venue. I want to welcome all of you here today. I, I know that there's many of you that are visiting. There always are. I want to encourage you to take uh, this little program, this little shell that we give to you and, and all of the, the verses, uh, passages that I'm going to read, are found in here. They'll be up on the jumbotrons. And um, we want you to see the word of God for yourself. We want you to see what, what God has to say. And, and so you might want to open that up and just use it. It might help you maybe track where, where we're at. We're beginning a, a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace, where we're going to journey together over the next 12 or 13 weeks through the, the, the book of, of Philippians. And I know that it, it's going to be great. I just know it. I know that God is gonna use it in your lives to, to transform you. I, I know it because God over the last uh, few months as I have just spent a lot of time reading it, studying it, reading it, studying it, praying over it, has done an incredible work in, in my own life. And I'm excited to see how God will work in your life. And I just want to challenge you to, to commit yourself for the next 12 weeks. Commit your family to, to, to be here each week. The world demands commitments from you. And um, it's amazing how we as believers just kind of you know, bow our knees to the commitments that the world demands of us. And I'm, I'm standing here and I'm asking you to make a commitment to allow God to work in your life, your family's life over the next, next 12 weeks. Treat this, treat the weekends like you might treat your son or your daughter's soccer team. Or your son or your daughter's softball team. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't even dream about missing a game or a practice because the coach demands that you're there and just treat this like you might, you know, a soccer game or a soccer match or whatever. Make a commitment. Let's watch what God does. Now, in my opinion, Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 is the key verse. It it tells us the goal of this letter and it's the theme for our our series. Paul says this. Paul says live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. One version says shining like the stars in the universe in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And that's great imagery, isn't it? Tonight, you know, when you're at home, go outside and just look up. And l- look at the stars in the sky. They, they pierce the darkness, don't they? And I'm sure Paul one night was probably looking at that and he thought to himself, that's what we're supposed to be as believers. In this dark, crummy world that we live in, this perverse world that we live in, we're called to be bright lights. We're we're called as followers of Jesus to shine. This is the goal of the letter, I, I, I believe. I think Paul was trying to encourage these followers of Jesus to live God honoring lives, to shine like the stars in a a world that's just crummy, dark. Jesus said something similar in Matthew chapter 5. He said, You, believer, are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus says to those of us that are his followers look, live your life in such a way, live a clean life, a holy life, a God honoring life that you would shine in a dark world, and, and as you live that God-honoring life, it'll bring glory and honor to the Father. Beloved, my, my prayer has been that somehow, as we go through this series, that God would use it to help all of us. Starting with me, your, your, your pastor, to, to live a God-honoring life. That We would be a, a group of Christ followers that shine like like the stars in this dark and crummy culture that that we live in because it's when we shine like the stars that the world around us takes notice. It's when we live God-honoring lives that somehow the, the, the world notices. They may not like it, and they may attack us, and they often do, but they take notice. And it, it makes a difference. Now, now, before I read our first 11 verses, I, I want you to imagine living back in biblical days, okay? I want you to imagine that you are a follower of Christ. You live in the city of Philippi. And maybe it's a Sunday morning and you're gonna gather at the church. And it was probably a home. And so here the, the church is gathered in this, in this home. And the pastor of the church, the elder of the church, the deacon in the church says, hey, listen, you've picked a great Sunday to be here because I received a letter from Paul. This past week, someone delivered a letter from Paul. The one who started this church, I got the letter. And and this morning, I'm going to read it to you. That would have been a, a great morning to have been in church. I want you to understand that those people were no different than you are. They struggled to make a living. They struggled to pay their bills. They struggled, you know, in raising their their children. They struggled, you know, with, with health issues. There were single people in the church that day There were married people in the church that day. There were young people in the church that day. There were some people in the church that day who were on the 18th hole of life. The older saints, much like this church, they struggled with their walk with God, they struggled in their marriages. So there you are, and now, and now the great apostle Paul has got a, a, a letter, he's got a word for you. And the elder or the pastor or the deacon opens it up and he reads it, and that's what I wanna do. If you've got a Bible, you can look, Philippians chapter one, it's in your notes, it'll be on the Jumbotron. Let's read it together, okay, here we go. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first Heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in the defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you. God knows how much I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation The righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Isn't that neat? (laughs) I've read that at least 20 times this past week. And every time I've read it, I've just been encouraged. It's unbelievable. Beloved, I, I think when most people think of Paul, they think of his leadership abilities. And there's no doubt that Paul was an incredible leader. I think people think of his ability to communicate. Man, the guy could preach like, like, like nobody's business. I think people think of his fearlessness. Man, he was a, a bold witness for, for Christ. I, I think people think of his mind. Paul was one of the most brilliant men that, that, that ever lived. And all these things would be true, but when you look at these first 11 verses, we see a number of other things that made Paul a person of great influence. We see some things here that, that made Paul a, a bright light in his culture. We see some things that made Paul you know, shine like the stars in the universe in a dark and crummy world. And, and I think there are things that we can apply to our lives that will help us shine brighter in our world. Look, you may not be able to lead like Paul or communicate like Paul or be as fearless as Paul or be as smart as Paul or, or whatever. But these four things that I want to share with you here this morning, all of us can do. All of us, we're all called to do them. And I guarantee you that if you take these four things and you'd apply them to your life, I I, I guarantee you'll live a God-honoring life. I guarantee that your life will, will, will bring great honor and glory to God. You'll be a bright light in this dark and, 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 and crummy culture. Okay, so let's get into this. Number one, encouraging people make a positive impact on others. Encouraging people live God-honoring lives. Encouraging people shine like the, like the stars. Verse three says this. Imagine, there you are in church that day. The deacon... The elder, the pastor, whoever it was, opens that letter and you hear these words. Every time I I think of you, Mel. Every time I think of you. Every time. When God brings you to my memory, I thank God for you. Me? I met Paul. In fact, I... He counseled me. My, my, I, my life is so screwed up, it's unbelievable. And when he thinks of me, he thanks God for me. Paul was an incredibly encouraging man. It's one of the reasons why he had such a powerful impact in the, in the world. It's one of the reasons why he was such a force for Christianity You see, these people weren't perfect. They didn't always do the right thing. They didn't always say the right thing. They they struggled with their faith at times. Their their walk with God wasn't, you know, pretty all the time. Yet the first thing Paul says to them is this, man, when I think of you, and I thank God for you. How do you think that made them feel? How do you think it made these folks feel to know that Paul, when he thought of them, when an image of them came into their mind, he was thankful for them. He thanked God for them. Listen, as I said earlier, you may not be able to communicate like Paul or think like Paul or debate like Paul or lead like Paul or be as fearless as Paul or whatever. But let me tell you something. You can be an encourager like Paul. You can encourage your spouse. You can encourage your kids. You can encourage your friends. You know, this week we start a brand new semester of our small groups, and we've got hundreds of small groups out there. When you show up to your group, you, you can encourage the people in your group. Listen to me. If you want to be a person of influence, you want to influence others, your spouse, your your kids, your friends, or whoever, if you want to make a real impact on those around you, if you want to have a, a great testimony, let me tell you something. Develop a ministry of encouragement. And watch how God uses you. Look, it's not easy to live out the Christian faith. It's not, it's not easy. We, we, we've got our flesh to deal with, <laughs> the old man, the old nature. It's a, it's, a, it's a drag on us, you know, it's like hauling around an anchor. We've got the devil and the demons we've got to deal with. We've got people around us we've got to deal with. We got the world we got to deal with, and when you put it all together, it's not easy to live out the Christian life. I think that's one of the reasons why God, throughout all of the scriptures, commands us to be encouraging. He knew this wasn't going to be an easy gig. He knew that following Christ, he knew that obeying the word of God wouldn't be easy. This side of glory, it was going to be a a tough gig. And so he made sure that throughout all of the scriptures, there's this idea that we encourage one another. In 2 Samuel 23, there's this great moment of encouragement recorded for us. Saul is the the king of Israel and and David has been anointed the the new king. And Saul isn't real happy about it. In fact, he wants to kill David. And it says this in verse 15. It says, one day near Horth David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan, that's Saul's son, went to find David and encouraged him to to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. Isn't that beautiful? Now, the chances are slim that we're going to have people hunting us down to, to, to kill us. But the reality is, in this world that we live in, in this culture that we live in, in this dark, crummy culture that's going to hell in a hand basket. Wow. You, you wanna shine like the stars? Forget about being a great preacher, being a great debater, being, you know, being fearless or whatever. Just be somebody who, who knows how to encourage people. Develop that gift. You know, some of you, bless your souls. When, when you come here on the weekends, in any church, every church has them, you know, and I, I don't know why God allows it, but he does. You know, when you show up here, you don't, you don't care about the music, you don't care about the preaching, you don't care about anything. You just got your pencil out and you're just, you're just looking for something. Something that you can just gripe about. Hey, 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 what are all those light bulbs? Hey, What is that? Those are all 40 waters. That's a lot of dough, man. What are these? That's dumb. It's in my, it's reflecting into my eyes. Yeah, what is that? My chair's too hard. Can't they get the air on? You know, I had to park way out there. I had to actually walk. Now, we don't have a lot of them here at Big Valley Grace, praise God, but we, we got a few. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> and no, I ain't turning the lights off there. I, I don't know what it means either. I, I don't know, I, it looks cool, doesn't it? I don't know. Oh, that God would move in us as a church family. That the people in your neighborhood who know you go to Big Valley Grace would go, you know what, man, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about their God. I don't even believe in their God. I don't know anything about it. I see that big church on on the corner there. I can tell you this, though. They are super encouraging. I like being around that guy. I like being around that guy. I like being around that couple because, wow, they're just encouraging people. Paul said this to the, the Christians that lived in Rome. He said, first... I want to say that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. First, beloved, what tends to be the first thing out of your mouth when you're talking with others? What's the first thing you tend to say when you come home from work? You open the door, you walk in the house, and there are your kids, there's your wife, there's your husband, whatever it is. What's the first thing that tends to come out of your mind, out of your mouth? What's the first thing you say to your kids? Hey, those of you that own businesses, you're opening up the, the shop. What's the first thing you say to your employees? What's the first thing, employees, that you say to the, the manager or the owner? You're, you're a believer. What is what is it? Man, Paul says, first, I want to say, I, I just thank God for you. May God help us all make the first thing that come comes out of our mouths words of encouragement. Paul knew that the way you build people up was that you lift them up. Now, now, now we're going to get to the hard work of the sermon here. And this is where some of you are going to go, oh no, oh no, please no. And that is we're going to do a little self-evaluation after each of these four points. Oh no. Just, just say what you got to say and let me get out of here. I don't want to have to evaluate my life. You know, the, the Bible says this. God says, don't be somebody who just is a hearer of the word. Somebody who just comes and hears songs and hears a message, but be a doer of the word. And so I want you to wrestle around with this for a moment. How encouraging are you? Not, not, not very, maybe you're one or two. Maybe you're somewhat encouraging. You're a five or a six. Maybe you're very encouraging. You're an eight or a nine. And listen to me. If right now there's a ping in your gut, There's there's a a guilty feeling within your gut. Praise God for that. Embrace that. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life that you would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you got an option now. Now that you've evaluated your life and you go, man, I'm not very good at this. I ain't circling anything. You, you, You can dig in and be prideful and go, you know what? I just want to get out of here and go get lunch, (laughs) and your life will never change, and you'll never be a bright light. Or you can say, you know what? Wow, I'm hearing from God today, and I'm not very encouraging, but I'm going to do whatever I got to do to bump it up a notch or two. You don't have to go from a one or a two to a ten tomorrow. Now, some of you are going, well, I don't, I don't really know what I am. Okay, well, turn to your spouse and ask them. <laughs> wow, well, well, you know, I do know. I, I, don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need any input. I'll tell you what, it'd be a great assignment for all of you. Listen to me. Listen. Dads, moms, sit down with your kids and just say, hey, I was wondering, son, how encouraging do you think I am? And if your son or your daughter or your grandkids or whatever say, you know what, Dad? You're not very encouraging. Wow, what an incredible moment to say, oh man, I'm so sorry, son. Would you forgive me? I heard from the Lord today and I'm gonna make a change in my life. I'm sorry, pray for me, help me, will you, son? What did that just take me, 10 seconds to say that? 10 seconds, and your family dynamic could change radically. But some people are so full of pride, that'd never come out of their mouths. But some of you, praise God, will go home, and you don't need to ask your kids. You know. God has spoken to you. And today is going to be a great day for some of you. Today, the kingdom of God is going to have a huge victory in your life and in your family's life. Evaluate yourself. Rustle around with this. How encouraging are you? What's the first thing that tends to come out of your mouth? Number two, praying people make a positive impact on others. Praying people, man, live just... Incredible lives. They're bright lights. They shine like the stars. Paul says in verse 4, hey, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. Imagine you're sitting in that church that day, in that house. And the great apostle Paul says, when I pray, whenever I pray, I pray for you. I pray for you. Let me ask you, do you think that that our church, Big Valley Grace, would be a better church if the Apostle Paul was praying for it every day? You bet it would be. Man, if every day when Paul had his prayers, whether it be his morning prayers, his afternoon prayers, his evening prayers, when he prayed, that he would pray for this church, let me tell you, Man, what an incredible impact that would have on our church. But here's the deal. I've got some good news and bad news. Okay, first the bad news. The bad news is is that the apostle Paul is dead. He's not around anymore, which means he can't pray for this church. Got some good news though. You're still here. You're still alive. Let me ask you, how often do you pray for your church? How often, when you have your your prayer times in the morning, your your prayer times at lunch, your, your prayer times in the evening, do you remember the church? And the church is you, people. Beloved, Praying members make a strong church. Praying members make a healthy church. Praying members make a growing church. Praying members make a powerful church. And let, me, let me challenge you. You don't have to preach like Paul. You don't have to be as fearless as Paul. You don't have to have the brain power that Paul had. You don't have to be a, a great debater like Paul was. But every one of you can pray like Paul did. Every one of you. And I want to challenge you to to pray for your church this next week. And Paul gives us four things that we could pray for. Number one, pray that we as a church family would grow in our love. Paul says, I I pray in verse 9 that your love will overflow more and more and more. The great apostle Paul knew the power of a loving church. A church that loved. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by how big your Bible is. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, "You people will know that you're my disciples. By if you wear cross jewelry on your ears or around your neck. No, he didn't say that. Jesus said, people will know you're one of my disciples if you put, you know, hunk, I love the Lord, on your car. You know. (laughs) He didn't say that. Let me tell you what he said. He said, people will know that you're one of my disciples by your love for one another that's one of the distinguishing marks of somebody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. It's your love. And Paul says, I pray that your love would would overflow more and more. I want you this week in your prayer times to pray for us. That we would be a church that loves that when we were with our friends, that when, when we're with our neighbors or whoever, that people might say, look, I don't know anything about your God. I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to tell you right now, those are people who love. Those are people who love. Number two, pray that we as a church family would grow in our spiritual wisdom. Verse 9 says, you know, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and in understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. And unfortunately, the church gets all goofed up on things that doesn't matter. And I know we all have our little bailiwicks, the things that we think are really important. I got mine. But Paul's prayer was, was that you would grow in your love and that you would grow in your spiritual wisdom, that you would really understand what's really important. And what a great prayer. That we would grow in our spiritual wisdom. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we... Have our men's Bible studies and our women's Bible studies. It's one of the reasons why we do some of the things we do around here. Some of you need to find a mentor. Somebody who's walked with Jesus Christ longer than you have and say, hey, mentor me. I really want to grow in my my spiritual wisdom. I want to know what's really important. Number three, pray that we as a church family would grow in our holiness Verse 10 goes on to say, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Man, what a great prayer. Pray that we would love. Pray that we would grow in our spiritual wisdom and pray that we would be holy people, set apart people, sanctified people, sacred people. There would be something uniquely different about those of us that name the the, the, the name of Jesus Christ. And number four, pray that we as a church family would bring God praise and, and glory. Verse uh, uh, 10 and 11 say, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Wow, those are four powerful things to pray for. Before I was even born, when this church was started, there was a group of men who got together and they were going to plant a church over on this side of town. And they got together and they said, okay, what is going to be the purpose of this church? And they said, the purpose of this church, they decided that that the purpose of this church family would be that we would be a group of followers who would bring honor and glory to God Taken right from the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, whatever it is you do, do it all to the glory of God. So the Holy Spirit fills these men and they said, look, we don't know about other churches, but we know about this one. We want to be a family of believers who bring honor and glory to God. And that's exactly what Paul's praying for here. Pray that our love would grow as a church family. Pray that we would grow in our spiritual wisdom. Pray that we would grow in our holiness. Pray that we would grow in our our praise and honor to to, to God. Listen, if we would all pray this, I wonder what might happen. And I think some great things are happening here. But here's the deal. I have a holy um, uh, discontentment. I wonder what God might do. I wonder what greater thing God might do. I'm not content with what God's done now, and He's done some great things. I just know the God that's revealed in this book is greater and bigger and mightier than anything we can think or dream of. And if you would commit yourself to pray for for these four things, wow, who, who knows what might happen here. Here's the bottom line. If you want to be a person of great influence, if you want to make an impact on those around you, if you want to be a bright light in this dark and crummy world, pray. Pray. Let me give you two great truths about life. Truth number one, every day you wake up in the morning, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's compassion, God's provision, God's peace, God's goodness, they're new every morning. That's what I'm talking about. I love to wake up and I love to think about those things. Every time that big red ball comes up in the morning, all those things are true. But here's the second great truth. The second great truth is this, is every day you wake up, there's evil all around you. Paul said in Ephesians chapter six, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, when is the day of evil? What was he talking about? Today's the day of evil. He wasn't talking about some date out there. Hey, there's a really evil day coming. He wasn't talking about October 31st. (laughs) Today's the day of evil. And because today is evil, we need to be people who pray because prayer is the only weapon that the evil one has no defense against. I love this quote from Samuel Chadwick about prayer. It's one of my favorite quotes. He said this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He cares nothing for prayerless work, prayerless study, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And I don't know about you, But I want to be somebody who makes the devil tremble and I want to make the devil tremble all the time and if we as a church family would commit ourselves to pray let me tell you something we'll have the devil shaking in his boots and I'm all for that I I, I think there are too many churches out there that frankly the devil doesn't even think about because they make zero impact for the kingdom how sad is that I want the devil and the demons on high alert because of what's happening here with this family. They are bright lights. And what's making them shine is the fact that they're encouraging and they're praying. Number number three. But by the way, by the way, by the way, no, 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 see some of you are going, oh man, he's into it. he's forgotten. no, no, no I want you to do a little self-evaluation here, okay? I want you to think about your prayer life. How often do you pray? How often are you praying for your spouse? How often are you praying for your kids? How often are you praying for the people in your small group? How often are you praying for the church? Right now, do a little self-evaluation. Some of you I know, man, you're 8, 9, 10. Some of you are, you know, prayer warriors. I get it, man. Praise God for you. My friend Donna down here doesn't even live here full time, and she's a prayer warrior for me. It's good to have people praying. It matters when people pray. And if you're a one or a two, look, look, take a deep breath. It's okay. Just leave here today saying, you know what? No more. No more. I want my one life to count. I want my one life to, to, to be a bright light. And right now I'm a, I'm a 15 watt bulb and I'm, I'm going up to a 40 this week. Uh, number, number three, patient people make a positive impact on, on others. I love verse six. This is just a great verse. Paul says, and I'm certain, imagine you're sitting there I'm certain that that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Beloved, this is a promise from God. It's a promise that some of you need to claim. You need to claim it for your kids. Last week, last month, last year, they invited Jesus Christ into their lives, and they're not Billy Graham yet. And you're having a hard time enjoying your kids. And the reason why you're having a hard time enjoying your kids is because you're expecting something greater. Instead of going, you know what? God's not finished with my kids, He's going to finish the work that He started. Some of you need to claim this for your spouse. Some of you are so riled up because your spouse isn't, you know, whatever, you can't even enjoy him right now. Listen, God is going to finish the work. Some of you need to pray this for yourselves, don't you? You've invited Christ into your life, and man, you don't see a lot of fruit. You just you know one minute you're doing well and man you're not doing well the next And let me tell you something one of my favorite books is the book messy spirituality and let me tell you why I love this book number one I love the book just because of the title but number two I love the book because of the message of the book and the message of the book is this is that the spiritual life your, your walk with God is messy it is not clean and the church has done uh, uh, you uh, uh, a horrible disservice by somehow giving you the impression that when you receive Christ into your life, wow, it's just an upward trajectory. No problems, no worries, everything is clean. You'll never have a moment where you lack faith, you'll never have a moment when you, you know, feel crummy. That is not true. The journey of faith is messy. There are times when you will not, you know, feel the presence of Christ in your life. There will be times when you will lack faith. There will be times you will even doubt whether you're a believer. It's not a a clean journey. You will sin, you will blow it, you will make mistakes. You won't always do all that God asks you to do. It's messy. And this is a church that recognizes that. This is a church that says, we understand the journey of faith. We understand humanity. We understand that our DNA has been impacted because of sin So we don't always do the things we ought to do. We don't always say the things we ought to say. We don't always live the the good Christian life. We don't always do it. And by the way, you're in good company because the great apostle Paul didn't either. And you ought to read what he said in Romans chapter 7. He was an apostle. And he says, man, I don't know what's wrong with me, man. The things I want to do that I know are right and holy, I don't do. In fact, I do just the opposite. And the things that I want to do, the things that I know that are good and right and all that, I, I, I do the opposite. It's messy. The walk with God is messy. Now, that's not an excuse to just go out and live however you want to live. But this is a church that says, we get it. We understand that no one's going to do this thing perfectly. We get it. And we have ministries and people who are going to love you and care for you. Celebrate Recovery is one of the great ministries of our church. 450 people down here on Tuesday nights who who have a messy life, but they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them. Jesus hung on a cross for messy people. And you could come down here on a Tuesday night and find people who are worshiping the Lord, who are getting in groups, and they're encouraging one another, they're praying for one another, they care about one another, they point people to Jesus Christ, and they'll crawl up in each other's laps and say, hey, knock that behavior off kind of a thing, you know. Galatians chapter 5 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all these things, right? The key word there is produces. It's a process. He's producing it in us. Now, I realize that in some of your lives, you know, he's not producing it fast enough, right? Especially for your spouse, you know, your spouse doesn't think it's being produced fast enough. I get it. My wife, who was down here last night, if she could give testimony, I never would let her. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit. I'll make it sound better than it really is. If she were to come up here, she would tell you, you know what, my husband Rick, there are times in his life when, wow, I see the, the fruit of God in his life. I see the, these things in his life in beautiful, wonderful ways. But then she would say, um, I also see times when he looks like um, he's got no roots. I mean, that, 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 that his life has just got zero fruit on it. <gasps> Did the pastor say that? I thought pastor's lives were just full of fruit all the time. That's the impression the church has given Christians for way too long. There are times when I'm dry and I'm empty. There are times when my life is messy. And the beautiful thing is you know, that God's there to say, that's okay, Rick. You know that when uh, uh, Jesus chose Peter and said, Peter, follow me, man. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to make a huge impact on the kingdom. Do you know that Jesus knew that he was going to deny him Three times? The great apostle Peter denies Christ three times, denies knowing him, denies knowing God, and Jesus knew that, but he chose him anyway. Why? Because God's very much aware of the fact that life is messy at times, and we don't always do the things the way we want to do them. And the church is here to be an encouragement to one another, to pray for one another, and to be patient with one another. Evaluate yourself. How patient are you with people? And last but not least, and I'll fly through this, okay? Loving people make a positive impact on others. Loving people. Paul says in verse eight, God knows how much I love you. Man, here's a man's man, and he's saying, hey, I love you, I love you. Our culture today somehow us guys, we bought into this idea that we, we, we can't express that. But here's the great apostle saying, I want you to know I love you. I love you. I love you. You want to shine like the stars? You want your one life to count? You want to have an incredible testimony for God? Love people. Care about people. Develop a a tender heart for people. Look, here's the deal. You may not be able to preach like Paul or, 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 or think like Paul or debate like Paul and all that kind of stuff, but let me tell you something. You can love your spouse. You can love your kids. You can love your friends. You can love those in your small group. Man, I'll tell you what. You develop a lifestyle of love, and I guarantee you, you will be used by God in incredible ways. One day, a young man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you tell me what the greatest commandment is? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said, he, he said uh, uh, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And I, I got this impression in my mind that this young kid went like this. Cool. Okay. The greatest commandment is I love God. And he starts to walk away and Jesus goes, ho, 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 ho. Hang on there. I need to tell you what number two is. Uh, Well, I didn't ask for number two. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you number two. And Jesus says this. Jesus says there's a second commandment that's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, if you took this entire book and you boiled it all down, you sifted it all down, the two greatest things you can do with your life is to love God and then to love others, care about others. Now here's why I think Jesus gave us the second one. You can tell me you love God, and I have a lot of people who always tell me, I love God, I love Jesus. How do I know? I don't know. People fake me out all the time. I love God, you know. The second one you can't fake. If you really do love God, then you know what? It's going to show in your love for other people. Now, what does it mean? You know, love others the way you love yourself. All that means is, is that you care about other people the way you care about yourself. You meet the needs of other people the way you meet your own needs. Last night, you had a need. You had a need to sleep, and you met that need because you love yourself. You care about yourself. You got into bed and went to sleep. You, this morning when you got up, you had a need for food. You needed to eat, and you loved yourself to the degree that you, you ate a bowl of cereal or whatever. The Bible says this, you're to love others. You're to care about others. You're to meet others' needs just the way you meet your own needs. Now, I'm sure when he heard the first one, okay, yeah, that's really great. It's the second one where you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, you are God's children whom he loves, so try to be like him. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, As I said when I I started, my my hope, my prayer for all of us as a church family is this, is that we would be uh, individuals who really shined like the stars. Because if we as individuals are shining like the stars, wow, imagine what our church would be like. Imagine the glory that would be given to God. And you don't have to be the greatest preacher, you don't have to have a high IQ, you you don't have to be fearless, all you have to do is be somebody who's encouraging, somebody who prays, somebody who's patient, and somebody who loves. Wow. Those are things we, we can all do. And I hope that this week you, you take your little sheet and you go home and, and, and wrestle around with those self-evaluations. I hope that all week long the Holy Spirit is convicting you and drawing you back to that sheet of paper so that all week long you're having to deal with this message. And that all of us might go, you know what? Here's an area I'm not doing well in. I need to make some changes. Why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment. I sure love you guys and I I care deeply about you. And the cool thing is is that God loves you way way more than I do. cares about you way more than I do. And the cross is, is proof of that. And my prayer is is that as we go through this series, even this one message that somehow the Lord would speak to you, not just right now, but all week long. You're out walking around your neighborhood, walking the dog, taking your kids to school, going to work, going to the grocery store, you're hanging out at the mall. My prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit would continue to speak to you about these four simple things. If you're here and you need some prayer, our, our altar room has just been really filled up all weekend. And if you're in the venue, we have an altar room over there. It's a, it's a place where the spiritual leaders of our church, the pastors, elders are there to pray for you. Maybe you want them to pray for encouragement and you'd be more encouraging. I, I don't know what you need prayer for, I don't. Maybe you need prayer for your marriage, maybe you need prayer for healing, I don't know, but I just believe in a God who does miracles. Take advantage of it. Pastor Scott, would you end our time in in prayer? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what we've heard today. And Lord, I pray that um, as we have started this uh, brand new series in the book of Philippians, Lord, that we would realize your power in our lives. And God, we know that you have began uh, amazing work in a lot of our lives. And Father, thank you for the promise to complete that work. Help us to stay close to you that we may truly shine like the stars. Thank you for this time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.